Uh, you got your Bibles? Amen. You know what today is? Bible study. It's always good to have a Bible during Bible study. And uh, so we're talking about the parables of Jesus. We're going to actually deal with two of them today. And um, we're going to deal with the shortest parable in the Bible. And then we're going to add another one to it. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to kick off here in Matthew chapter 13. Yes. Thank you. Go to verse 33. Are we there yet? Matthew, first book in the New Testament, chapter 13, verse 33. Another parable spake Jesus unto them. Oh, my goodness. You got your Amplified? I was thinking Mom was going to be here. You don't have your Amplified Classic? There's a, uh, does anybody have Amplified Classic in here? You do? Okay. Um, all right, so when I get to them, I'll... Uh, I'll have you read them real loud or hand the iPad to me and I'll read them real loud. Okay, she'll read it real loud. Uh, or what we could do, James, if you go in my office and the, the bookshelf that's up against that wall on the, the shelf that's about chest high to you, maybe a little bit lower, is an Amplified Classic Bible. It's red? Yes. It's maroon. And uh, just go ahead and grab that and bring it back in because I don't need to get to it for a few minutes so you, got to, you don't have to run or anything like that. Just a, an easy jog. <laughs> oh, okay, so Matthew thirteen thirty three it says another parable spake Jesus unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. That's the end of the parable. Uh, okay, <laughs> short parable, right? Let's read the next verse. And all of these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things. I want you to watch this here in verse 5. This is interesting, at least to me. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Now let's read the parable again, which was a secret that has been kept since the foundation of the world. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole leaven was leavened. That's the parable. Within that parable is foundational truths of the kingdom of heaven that has been kept secret since the foundation of the earth. To me, that's remarkable because it's easy to just read over that and say, okay, some lady made bread. What do we do with it now? But how many knows I'm going to expound upon it? Amen. Now, the majority that I hear about when, when people preach on 11 is they talk from the scripture to Matthew uh, 16, verse 6. It says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they speak of leaven from a sin standpoint and that you don't want um, sin in you because it will. Yep, that's it. Thank you. Um, and can you hang on to that right there until I, I get there? I'll let you know when we're getting there and you can turn. I can read it, but just turn to it for me so that it, I'll be there so I don't have to navigate two Bibles. So yeast in this parable, yeast is introduced into meal. And there's a principle within this because Jesus says that this is, uh, how did he say it? Um, 
the kingdom of heaven is like this parable. Yeast was entered into meal, and after uh, a period of time, the whole was filled with yeast. Now, if you stop and you think about baking bread, and uh, don't go too far on this thought because I looked this up on the internet and I'm hoping it's right. For yeast to work in bread, you know, like you need uh, uh, yeast into bread. For Three things need to be present for it to work, for it to raise the bread. And that is moisture, nutrition, and temperature. Any bakers in here? Am I okay? Okay. Moisture. The Bible talks about being pliable to God. Talks about being dry. Talks about the life of God in us. We need that moisture. To be able to bend, to be pliable to God. Um, Psalm 37, 4 says, uh, Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. If you study out the word delight in the Hebrew, it starts talking about being pliable to God. You can't delight in God and be unwilling to do what He wants. Okay, it's not the subject. Don't get mad. It's just a true statement. You have to be pliable, which you have to be moist. You have to be using moisture as a word, uh, or, you know, as a phrase in this, and what is needed. You have to have nutrition. There's, there's elements. I, I believe what I read was like it's the sugar in the dough or something like that is what feeds the yeast. But anyway, it has to have nutrition. The Word of God is our nutrition. You've got to have this. This is a parable that was hidden before the foundation of the earth. I'm not giving you a lesson on baking. And then it has to be in the right temperature. Uh, even in Revelations, Jesus said, you're neither warm nor hot or cold, so I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. We, we, the Bible talks about being on fire for God, revealing his glory, light shining, and different things like that. And so there's a, there's a directness uh, in this, uh, is that the kingdom, the, the kingdom of heaven should overtake us as believers. The, kingdom, the parable is about the kingdom of heaven that a woman put uh, yeast, put leaven into some, some meal, and the, before you knew it, the, uh, the meal was full of leaven, and it was able to rise, they were able to make bread. So our lives should be should be permeated. Do you know what permeate means? Okay, saturate. Yeah, fully, um, fully composed of. That when we are introduced to the kingdom of God, it should grow into us. My my concern about many people, uh, actually, I've got some big concerns as we walk into these last days because. Um, People like to say hallelujah, praise the Lord. That was a really good message, but we're not doing anything with it. Yeah. I mean, even Sunday's message about living in honor, it'll go over people's head. Yeah, yeah I, I'm honorable, even though I don't do honorable things. If honor's in you, honor will come out of you. Okay, but, but people dishonor people. People dishonor God. People dishonor the things of God but they will look at something that they've done spiritually and say, well, I'm spiritual, but it was just a spiritual activity and it's not. Do you know, do you know when you are spiritual? When I'm spiritual. When you're spiritual. Or we could say it from the negative side, when you're not carnal. You can't be carnal and spiritual at the same time. 
So how, how we do things, okay, well, I'm talking about the parable here. How we do things, and, and we're, you and I are all, we are all permeated with something. Something, we're, we're filled with something. Now, a born-again spirit filled believer say, well, I'm, spirit, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, why are you so ornery? Because you didn't get that from the Spirit of God. Why, why do you struggle walking in faith? Because you didn't get that from the Spirit of God, the struggle. We're, we're all filled with something. If you think you're not filled with something, you're deceiving yourself. We, we've allowed something to take hold on us. And according to this, this verse right here, and I'm, I'm going to show you some other things, some, some principles of this in just a minute with other verses, but we're acting out what is inside of us. And the principle that Jesus is saying here is the kingdom of heaven is like a woman putting yeast into meal and she's able to make bread out of it. There's, there's something that is produced from it because it permeated the meal. It overtook the person. Now, we'll get to the parable of uh, uh, the pearl of great price at some point or, or you know, one of those that talks about when a person saw this pearl of great price, they went and they sold everything so that they can come back and buy the land so they could have this pearl. They got permeated, just to use my buzzword here. They got consumed with, I want this pearl. Um, that's another parable that we'll deal with, but most Christians are not that way. Most Christians are, um, we, we struggle. In fact, even Andrew said it up here. I mean, I'm going to be honest, I struggle with this too. Because it was true confession. We all struggle with it. But we struggle with the carnal side of us. It, it amazes me. Uh, people with you know elements that they really it's it's damaging their life and and I really pick on anger issues and fin being offended and different things like that. They like don't want to get free. They say they want to get free, but they're unwilling to do anything to get free and actually change the way they view life. A victim's this way also. A person has a victim mentality. They think everybody's doing and saying something about them. It's all about them. Uh, they're, they're unwilling to not be, be a victim. Uh, one of my affirmations that I always say is I don't get offended for anything. I train myself. I don't, I don't take offense. I, I talked about it on my Monday live stream that Paul said I exercise myself to be void of offenses. He says I, I work on myself. The Apostle Paul. You know how very, many how very little people, number of people, actually work on themselves to not get offended? I am not going to give somebody the the ability to offend me you can't be ornery enough to offend me you can't be mean enough i've been stabbed in the back multiple times i don't get offended did it hurt yeah but i'm not going to get offended over it i'm not going to take the offense but i had to work on myself to do that and so the bible and what the bible talks about is we should be working so we can easily tie this into honor on this because if the kingdom of God starts permeating us, one of the foundational truths of the word of God is we become honorable. And in honor, your life is not about you. Your life is about other people because we are to esteem others higher than ourselves. But most people are looking out for what they can get. 
how it's going to work for them. And, and they, they, they forget about, um, it's, it's just weird. You can see it many times. It's like, man, that was just rude to say that because you know you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Why don't you just not say it? But people are so consumed with, with themselves. But in this, this, this parable that has hidden truths in it since before uh, the foundation of the world, God's saying, when you get a hold of this, it's going it, to start growing and it's going to go all the way through you. Let me add a, a caveat on that, if you will allow it to. Because if you don't put that yeast in a right temperature area, it's not going to do what it's supposed to do. If it doesn't have the moisture, if it doesn't have the whatever food you know it eats on, it's not going to work, even though it has within itself every element to raise the bread. Can you make the jump? You can stop the knowledge of God from, from permeating you. And most people do because they see it as too hard. Um, now, a lot of people are very driven. They want to go to heaven, but they don't want to be permeated by the principles of heaven. They're two different subjects. Anybody should want to go to heaven and not want to go to There's a few knuckleheads that say they want to go to hell and party with their friends. I mean, they're, they're going to realize one day that that's a really bad decision. But, you know, most people want to go to heaven. Most people think they're going to heaven. But most people don't want heaven to control the decisions that they make and the way they interact with other people and the way they live this life. Now, so let me give you the direct application of this. And then I'm going to go into a principle of it. The things of God should grow in us. There's people I can take you to. They're this, they've been in church for 25 years, and they're pretty much the same as after the first year of church. They've just heard a lot of sermons in the meantime. They haven't changed. They haven't adapted to the Word of God. You should, in a, in a perfect world where we value and honor God, when, like on a message on Sunday, you would go home and analyze, am I not honorable? And do I need to... To change, you might be an honorable person, but you got to be honest with yourself. When, when I, I preached for six weeks on the place called in the spirit, at least one time during the six weeks, you should look at yourself and say, Am I operating from that place? Or am I trying to get God to do everything He's already empowered me to do? That if I would just get in the position, I could do it. Now, there's a principle here also. And, uh, uh, and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Amen. We're going to look at the principle here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 6 says, Your glorying is not good. How do people glory? Patting themselves on the back. Patting themselves on the back. A lot of people do this with religious things. They've they got to tell you how God used them so that you view them as religious uh, or spiritual, they've got to tell you the things that, well, God's been telling me to do this and do that. You know, it's an amazing thing to me. When we started this church, uh, there's only probably two or three here that was at, here at the time. When we started the church, um, we'd formed it, we had done everything like that, and there came a time when uh, it was time to vote who the pastor in. And um, uh, Dad and I was, was here, and we were kind of leading the, uh, the formation of it and everything like that. But another guy showed up that we knew. And he heard from God that he was supposed to pastor the church. 
So he came in and he got himself his name on the ballot and everything like that. And he went around and talked to people how God told me and I'm going to lead this and God's going to do this and let me pray for you. I mean, he got all these little spiritual things going. He lost by a landslide um, because he was flaky. But it's funny how uh, in the church setting, because there's been, you ever heard of a church split, people, you know, churches split? It's always by somebody who thinks they heard from God to gather people unto themselves. It's interesting to me from the psychological standpoint that, and, and the power of deception is that we can think that God would send us in to something he started with somebody else to pull people to themselves. Well, God's called me to this. And what's even funnier to me is that people listen to them. Now, I'm going into the principle here because there's principles of this also. So your glorying is not good. Uh, you know, uh, know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So now we're talking principle. This is not a parable of Jesus with the kingdom of heaven. He's now, Paul's now telling us that, do you understand how this works? When you get a little something in you, it will grow in you and it will permeate your whole being. And he goes on and says, purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So I go back to if honor is in you, honor will come out of you. This is really a, um, uh, I didn't really plan it this way. I thought it was amazing how I talked on honor and then uh, I decided to go this way with the, the parables because one of the greatest defenses of the ever falling into having the wrong leaven in you is to be honorable. Because honor will not allow you to violate spiritual principles. Amen. It just, these things of God are, are, are just, they really actually work. So if anger is in you, anger is going to come out of you. I've said it before that if you're an angry person, if you've got anger issues, even when you're nice, anger is there. Yes. <coughs> because what's in you is going to come out of you. If we have control issues, even when we're not exerting control, control's there. Because we view everything from that standpoint. An angry person views everything in their life from an anger standpoint. So they're, they're biased into anger. Even though they might not be exhibiting anger right now, it's there, it's present. It's, it's sitting there. They're, they're analyzing things from that. Same thing with control. It, it's in there. Uh, a person that, that listens to uh, familiar spirits thinking that it's God, they believe they're, they're spiritual even though nothing they're doing is spiritual. They're just putting words trying to deceive people. But if honor is in you, honor is going to come out of you. And so the principle of the kingdom of God is that Christ and the power of heaven should overtake us. But if we're not overtaken by the power of God, we are going to be overtaken by something else because we are all permeated by something. Something is the driving force behind our life. It could be money. It could be cars. It, I mean, it could really be anything. I, I had a guy that worked for me. He was overtaken by golf. I mean, uh, his, his, um, you know, his work day where we were at was nine hours, eight-hour work day, one-hour um, uh, lunch 
and we were in Hanford, and he was in like on Clovis, just right off of Clovis Avenue. So it's a good 30-minute drive. And he'd get up early enough before he came to work to hit a bucket of balls. He'd leave at lunch and go over to the uh, Lemoore at a little nine hole or something over there and hit a bucket of balls. On his way home, he's got a family and at least two kids, maybe three, but he had kids. On the way home, he'd stop many times, bucket of balls. I mean, he lived, eat, and drank golf. He's a good golfer, too. I actually started golfing with him a little bit. He took me out a few times, and he started working. I could actually hit the ball. But, you know, <laughs> that last game I played, I shot, a, uh, I shot 116, and I just I refused to play the back nine. And um, <laughs> So, anyway, that was a joke. Uh, but he, he was praying by golf. He just loved the game. Okay, on one side, you can say, okay, guy loves golf. Who cares? But it was a driving force in his life that actually created some, some problems within the household because he wasn't at home a lot. We went out golfing one day at Sherman something. It's like Fresno's, if anybody knows golf. Sherman Forest or something like that. And uh, about, what is it, 18 holes? About 14. I'm like, oh, man, I have got to get out of here. Uh, I'm just like hitting the ball, trying to, let's just, just, I don't care what the score is. I want to go home. And uh, so we finish up round 18, and uh, we're walking back to the clubhouse. He says, "Um, you want to play another round? And I'm like, like another 18 holes? I I didn't know if I misunderstood the the statement. He's like, yeah. I'm like, no, I want to go home. Um, So, but, but something is controlling us. The principle here of hidden, you're going to have something. Now, the parable is God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the things of God should overtake our life. It's a growing process. It's not it just happens. It's it's a growing process, but it should overtake our life. And the older, more mature we get in Christ, the more the things of the world drop off and the things of God grow. The, the implication is leaven grows. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Watch out for the leaven in your lump. Uh, what was it? Verse 6. Glory, uh, know you not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Whatever you put your hand, whatever you allow inside of you is going to grow. And this is a principle of the kingdom of heaven. So go to Luke 14. Amen. This is our second parable. Now, all these parables, I did the parable of the sower on the four grounds. Remember, he said, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any parable. So how does the parable we just talked about apply to the the parable of the sower? You want us to answer? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Just like you put a seed in the ground and expect it to grow in the right soil, with the right temperature, with the right amount of sun, the right water, it will grow. Okay, but how does that apply to the parable? Um, of the, the yeast and the, the leaven, or the leaven in the lump, in the meal. The soil and the reaping part of it? Mm-hmm. That's my answer. Okay, but time together, in case somebody doesn't get it. Um, See, because Andrew brought up living to give. 
That's a sewing lifestyle. Everybody's sewing. Even people that re- try to reject the truth of living to give, they're giving something because the whole system works on seed time and harvest. It's just a lot of people sow bad seed and they're living in the bad harvest. So something, going back to the permeating of a person, something's going to permeate you, is that the only way this leaven can get in is you sow a seed or open a door or allow it to start operating. The woman, did she not sow a seed to the mill called Mm -hmm. leaven? She put it in there, and it produced bread for her. Seed time harvest. All these parables come back to the seed time and harvest because all of life operates on seed time and harvest. You're not, people, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why I'm living this. I don't know why this is so hard. Because of what you said. You and I are living in the sum total of the decisions that we made. Life, life didn't happen to us. Now, let me, well, let me rephrase that. Life does happen. But how we respond to life happening makes the difference of where we're at. So we, we can't, from God's standpoint, just think of it as standing before God. If I was born on the wrong side of the tracks, I would have no opportunity. But if God's system is true, it doesn't matter if I'm born on the tracks. He's given me a way of get, uh, to get out of the way of the train. Now, I can just lay there and let the train go over me and kill me and say, well, God, why did you allow the train to kill me? And he would say, because you stayed on the tracks when the train was coming. But that's where I was born. But you didn't have to stay there. So all of us are living in the the harvest of what we've sown through decisions, through actions, through everything, the way we interpret life. Because that's the way the whole system is set up. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. So so if I want to change where I'm living, see, Jesus in these parables is telling us how this system works. What is in me, what got in me, has grown through me. Now, he, um, is it Galatians 5? Um, Let me see if I can find it here real quick. Maybe it was here. Yeah, I don't know where it's at. It might be Galatians 5. But again, he says, uh, in one of these, um, he says that, uh, oh, maybe it was the one we just read. Did he say, like, change your lump in that verse? What verse were we just on? 1 Corinthians 5? 6? Your glorying is not good. No, you did a little leaven. Purge out therefore the old leaven. That's actually what, that you may be a new lump. Just change your lump. Lump head. You're not, you're not stuck where you're at. Just fix it. That's why Romans 12.2 says that you can, you can be transformed through the renewing of your mind. You can change that which has permeated you. Well, I've done this for so long, I don't know what I would do without it. Maybe live life at a higher level. Okay, let's go back to uh, where we're at, Luke. Luke chapter 14, verse 7. Uh, I'm on the wrong page here. 14.7. And he put a parable 
I'm, I'm going to read here out of the Amplified. Um, verse 7. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them. Now, in verse 7 there, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they were selecting the places of honor, saying to them. So, so uh, I'm going to read another one here in a minute. So what, what happened? He's in this place, you know, a party, a dinner, a banquet, whatever it is. And he's noticing how people are choosing their seats. Now, what do you think the driving force of how they, they chose the seats? Yeah, about them. They want to get the best seats. They want to look good. They want to look, you know, whatever. And uh, it, now, uh, a banquet here. It happens here every single time we put up the round tables. There is always a chair where the leg is. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so, so you got to like cattywonk your, your legs or something like that. It's an uncomfortable. How do you look at that? Ooh, can I get a different chair? Because, see, if you move to a different chair, now somebody else is going to have to sit there. But this would be better for me. That was a bad example, wasn't it? Because don't think that you don't do it and I don't do it. Have you ever been to a pizza smorgasbord? You know, whatever they call it, all-you-can-eat pizza? Buffet. Buffet. And you're, uh, you're standing in line, there's one person, and you see the one that's really cheesy and meaty? <laughs> don't like Cody. <laughs> and you're thinking, I hope they don't get that one. I wonder, I wonder if I can, they're going slow, I wonder if I could go around them and get it. Who are you looking out for? Okay, so Jesus is doing this in this, um, in this verse here. Uh, this is a parable he put forth. Uh, to them, talking about people who came. He was looking at how they were choosing out. When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden to him. All right? And he that bade thee, the person that invited you to the banquet or whatever it is that you're doing, um, bade thee and him come and say to thee, give this man place and thou begin with shame to take a lower room. What did he just say? Don't go in and find the best seat. Don't go up and sit on the front row. Don't get in the, you know, the, uh, the big chair or whatever because they may come up to you and say, uh, we need you to move back here. So what's he doing? He's telling us how to live. But what is this principle of this, this parable? Honor. Honor others higher than yourself. Go sit in the low place. Let them come back and say, hey, come up here. See, but how you think, uh, I've put a lot of work in this. I've put a lot of effort in this. I've done a lot of this. I've done a lot of that. I need to be looked at a certain way. But when thou art bidden, go and sit in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee come, he may say unto thee, friend, go up higher. I want you to come up here and sit on the front row. Uh, then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meet with thee. All right, now verse 11 is key. For whosoever, for whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. 
This person that came in and tried to exalt themselves to take over the pastorate of this church, it did not work out, and the rest of their life really didn't work out good for them. They battled a lot of things. Uh, God says that when you try, because really all this is talking about is pride, and the antithesis to pride is, is honor. If you will esteem others higher than yourself, if you will allow God to place you, if you will allow God to open the door, it's going to go well and it's going to work. When you try to make it happen, well, I'll let you figure the rest of it out. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Now I'm going to read verse 12 out of the Amplified. It says, Jesus also said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or the wealthy neighbors, lest perhaps they also invite you in return so you are paid back. So don't do something for somebody that you know they can do something back for you. Because in the laws of sowing and reaping, where is your harvest in that? Whatever you got back in that moment. This is why I say like on giving that, you know, there's a verse that talks about don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Um, some people take it too far and they won't give glory to God for what he did in their life. But some people want to say, hey, uh, uh, I'm going to I'm giving a bigger amount because, you know, God blessed me. And so I'm going to do this. And so, wow, that praise God. That's really good. That was your reward. Yeah. There's far more reward on, on letting God bless you from giving. So verse 13 says, But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense you. For, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. On some of these, you've got a reward in heaven that people give up for a temporary reward here on earth. Because we want to meet Mr. Big Bucks. Well, guess who I saw on my vacation and got to talk to? You know, then they name drop. Did you witness to them? Well, no, they're not a Christian. They're from Hollywood. I got their, their autograph. Never mind. Um, okay, I don't think I'm going to expound any more on that verse. Let's stand. So we've got uh, these parables of Jesus. Put it in context in your mind. Jesus is telling us how to operate in the kingdom of God, in heaven. L let me tell you what my system is like. Now, this is where it gets goofy. Because we've got religious ideas and we say our religious... Well, I'm very spiritual. Because, you know, in 1937, God dealt with me. It's like, it's 2023. What's God deal with you last week on? If we don't have a current story, testimony of what God's doing. I mean, the good ones are, are encouraging. We should not throw them away. But if we don't have a, a current one, we got a problem. We're, many people are trying to be somebody or going to the other extreme and trying to be a nobody and sitting in a corner. Um, but Jesus tells us, be a part of it. 
but don't, don't go in and take the, the biggest house. Understand that, that we all have something inside of us. If you get God inside of you, that God will grow. In fact, we could, we'll, we'll talk about the mustard seed parable on one of these. But the smallest seed, what, it, what, is, what does it do? It grows. Everything should grow. And there's a lot of people still at the same place that they were five years ago, seven years ago, ten years ago. They might have more biblical knowledge because they've heard more sermons, but they haven't changed the dynamic of how they operate. And on Sunday, I'm going to deal with the responsibility uh, of honoring, where we honor, how we honor. I dealt with what is honor. And, uh, but we have to implement these things in our lives. Can you move to a place where you're more concerned about that person than you're concerned about you? Because if you're not, there's something that's permeating you. We live in a very me society. What do I get out of it? Well, God said he would supply everything. God said he would, would uh, give you everything that you need. He said he'll take care of you. What else do you want? Well, no, 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 no. But this is going to cost me time or money or something like that. But God said he can redeem your time. And God said he'll give you all sufficiency in all things that you may abound to every good work. Quit sweating it. 